I know everything but I don't know why I struggle to do what is necessary. This is something I've heard from several clients. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. Why is focus solely on lifestyle interventions the right first line of defense for all chronic disease? How can we find the light from within to meet the changes we need? How can we create a new routine for sleep that focuses on natural options first but also has nifty biohacking gadgets and supplements if needed? Jill Foos is a national board certified health and wellness coach and focuses solely on lifestyle interventions as that first line of defense. She helps clients create healthier sleep hygiene which encompasses diet, exercise, stress management and a new routine. She focuses on the natural first but also adds those nifty biohacking bits. She does not believe in telling clients what to do but rather to help them find the light from within to make the changes they need. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Jill, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. And we are talking about focusing on prioritizing sleep. And while our listeners might look at that and wonder that it sounds so simple. And I was so appreciative that you brought up that topic because we tend to live in a world where we complicate we look for complex information complex protocols but when it comes to applying and practicing and being consistent with something we all seem to have a little bit of a gap so I was so glad that you picked this topic tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to talk about this well, Deepa, first, I want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. It's such a pleasure to meet you and be able to um, share my knowledge about this topic and why is sleep so important? Well, up oh, there you have your, your sleep glasses on. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> sleep is so important. It's the essence of everything. There are lots of magic happens when we're sleeping and we don't live in these simple times anymore. Everything, as you said, is so much more complex and stressful, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, so people are not getting the sleep that they need and therefore it is having adverse side effects in the rest of their life. It's just, there's this flow of, 
of adverse things that are happening to people. So they're getting even more stressed because they don't have stress or because they don't have the proper amount of sleep. They um, have more hormonal imbalances because they don't have proper sleep. They aren't eating well because they don't have proper sleep. They aren't moving as well because they don't have proper sleep. So it really affects so many things in our life. And what made you uh, tell us about you personally, what brought you into this line of work? Well, I am a mom of five. They're all grown and out of the house now. But um, ever since I was a young woman around 16, I lived a very healthy lifestyle. I was very curious about alternative ways to health. And back then we didn't really have a lot of information. And so as I had my babies, I raised them in a very healthy environment. You know, we ate organic foods. We tried to avoid a lot of toxins. We did the best we could with the information that we had back then. And I've just always been very curious about how to level up on my own health. And when um, about five years ago, I went back to school for functional medicine, health coaching and integrative nutrition, health coaching. And it was definitely a hobby of mine, always helping people around me. And so about five years ago, after I went back to school, I decided to turn it into a business. So now I have my own um, health coaching practice in Chicago, where I'm located. First of all, Jill, I cannot believe that you have five kids and uh, just a little side humor here yesterday. And I love Chesapeake shows. So I was watching it for the third time yesterday and I was just wishing that I had five kids. It seemed like such a home full of laughter. And then this morning you said, I mean, that must be just a world of fun. But let's come back to focusing on prioritizing mm-hmm. our sleep. And why do you why do you feel that uh, we need to focus on lifestyle interventions like sleep as the first line for any chronic disease? So tell us about that. Well, lifestyle intervention should always be the first line of defense for everything that we do. And um, so what does that mean? So we want to look at our diet and nutrition and, you know, it's the food that we eat that is going to be giving us all those micro and macronutrients that we need, right? The, our, our energy source, our protein, our amino acids, and all those micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the um, other amino acids and fatty acids, all of that's coming in through food. And that's messages for our body, right? For our cellular signaling. So first line of defense is how to create a healthy diet, eating whole foods. And that is really difficult for a lot of people out there. But that that is the foundation of building that signaling um, and messaging inside our bodies. And then we want to look at our exercise. You know, how do we move? The day we stop moving is, is the day things all go downhill for us. So we always want to keep moving every day, whether that's walking, whether that's getting to the gym and lifting weights, whether that's biking or hiking or, or you know, whatever it is, whatever that means to that person, we want to always move as we age. And I'm in menopause now, I'm 55. And I can tell you right now that as I get older, it gets harder and harder to keep that lean muscle mass on my body. It gets harder and harder to maintain that routine of getting to the gym. But it's something that I'll never stop doing because I need that flexibility and need the strength, right? So that's going to hold me up. That's going to help me move through my life and keep me healthy. And then we want to look at stress management as well. It's another pillar of, of health, right? The more stressed we are, 
the more that we, we experience more adverse side effects, right? So that stress gets our hormones out of whack. Um, it affects our cognitive um, functioning, right? And as we age, we have cognitive decline. So managing that stress is also going to help us set a healthy foundation for all of these other things we want to achieve. For example, someone might have a goal of, well, when I age and I have, I have five kids, so as I age, I want to be able to get on the ground and play with my grandchildren one day. And that could be in 10 years. Who knows when that is? But I want to be able to be able to do those things, pick my grandchild up. I want to carry my own groceries in my 70s. There's there's a lot of things I want to do as I age that if I didn't do the things now, but didn't start early in life and maintain them throughout my life. And it's always, it's never too late to stop, to start this process either. I want to say, I just happen to have been doing it for many, many decades, but I have goals. And the only way I'm going to maintain or reach those goals is if I create a healthy routine and build a healthy foundation upon which to build everything else upon, which is sleep. And uh, on that note, Jill, I think there's one of the things that's concerning is that you see a lot of and you spoke about how lifestyle plays such a key role in chronic disease. And uh, we see so many people who either, I mean, they're self-prescribing many times, but even practitioners. And um, recently, someone said to me that I went to a functional medicine practitioner and uh, they gave my autistic son about 35 supplements in a day and uh, he got worse. He couldn't sleep at all. And so this comes back to the aspect of focusing on the lifestyle interventions versus expecting even the best. And she said it wasn't the cost that was the problem. It was that he just could not tolerate so many of those. So I think that's such a relevant point that you brought up on how we need to bring attention back to the foundational aspects and um, not just consider, sometimes we tend to feel that there's just wallpaper in the background. We know it's important, but we don't quite focus on prioritizing. So let's come to how can we actually do that? And a lot of times we've got people, I have a dear friend and she has the best of intention to prioritize sleep. And somehow when it comes into the night, she's very active. She's That's when her mind comes alive and she starts to do her best work. And she so easily falls into the trap of getting time uh, I mean, it just time runs away from her. And then next thing you know, she's going to bed at 1 a.m. So how can we find that inner pull, what that light which makes us want to change, that light which guides us in prioritizing our sleep? Yeah, yeah, that's a great, a great point. I do want to circle back to something you said about your friend's um, child who was prescribed 35 different supplements. That's, that's a lot of supplements, way too many, right? And I, I truly believe that all, each one of us has a unique health equation. And if that health equation cannot be something that's attainable, that can't be maintained in the home, in the office, on a vacation, and you don't find joy in it, then it's not your health equation. It's not the right equation for you. And you have to keep searching, right? And so now you're talking about, well, how do we, how does someone self-motivate to, to attain this uh, or achieve this healthy foundation. 
And that's, a, you know, that's what health coaches are for, right? Not everybody has that, that innate self-motivation to, to pivot their lifestyle into a direction that they want. And so for people like that, like I, I'm self-motivated, so I can make that, that change more easily than many people. But for, for many people, they need to be held accountable. So how can they be held accountable? Well, some people have a friend and maybe that friend wants to make certain lifestyle changes as well. So they sort of team up with each other and, and hold each other accountable. It's a great start, probably not the best way to do it, but it's a good start. I think hiring someone like a health coach or a, a nutritionist or a life coach, whoever that person is for you, hiring a professional to help you really think well about what your goals are short-term and long-term, and then collaborate on a plan together to get there. You can't just go all in. You can't just say, I'm going to remove gluten and dairy and sugar from my diet. I'm going to now go to bed at nine o'clock PM. I'm going to wake up every morning at seven and get early morning. So like, you're just setting someone up for failure. You've got to build small steps to get to their larger goal in life. And so one of the things that I really like to do is collect data about people, right? So with my clients, I do testing because for some people, when they see in black and white, what the data says about them, what their genetics may be, right? What their micronutrient status may be, what their DEXA scan or an in-body, what their body composition might say, when you collect our, or their blood work with their primary care physician, what their data will say to them might spark or trigger them to make more changes because they see it on paper and it's not, it's not lying to them. Right. So for me, I like to collect data. I like to go over the data with people and help them make the decision. That person has to make the decision whether they're going to pivot their lifestyle or not. So what can you bring to the table to help them make those changes? And Jill, just before you go any further, could you share some aspects of this? So it just to make people understand that what, what have you seen? So what are some of the aspects that you've noticed in this form of testing, which then allows yeah. us to get that next step? Yeah, well... Genetics. Um, I love looking at genetics. I'm definitely not a geneticist, but I do love looking at genetics. And for some people, I'll do a panel on inflammation or autoimmunity. And when their genes show that they're predisposed to inflammation, you know, that's sort of a wake up call. Well, maybe I need to switch to an anti-inflammatory based diet. Maybe I need to get into the gym and move more to help keep my inflammation down. And I definitely need to sleep more so that I can help not be predisposed to more inflammation in my body. So that's one panel. Another panel could be something on their neurotransmitters, right? What are their these chemicals in their body saying about them as far as their genes go? Another one could be, are they a fast or a slow metabolizer of caffeine? So I work with a lot of people who drink a ton of caffeine. They just sip it all day long and then they wonder why they can't sleep at night. So when I take this specific test and it shows that they're a slow metabolizer of caffeine, well, they certainly are now more motivated to maybe stop drinking caffeine at 11 in the morning versus four in the afternoon. So just collecting some of that data. So another test that I look at is called a micronutrient test. So when a person goes to their regular doctor 
and they're getting their blood taken and maybe they're looking at vitamin B12 or magnesium or vitamin D levels. They're looking at serum levels. So that's what's in your blood. But I look at in this test, what's actually inside your cell? What is deficient? What's okay? What's a borderline deficiency? And what might be a functional deficiency? And then how do we correct those? So I do think that there is a place in everybody's health equation for supplementation. But my supplement plan doesn't look like your supplement plan. My dosing doesn't look like your dosing. The timing of it may be different. So to me, it's really honing in on what specifically does your body need to correct those micronutrient deficiencies? So again, your vitamins, your minerals, your amino acids, and your fatty acids. When you correct your cellular, um, your mitochondria or your, your, your cells, when you reverse those deficiencies and you get your cells in better working order, everything in your body is in better working order. Right? I'd like to say that we're only really as healthy as our cells are. If our cells are, are missing things, then we're going to be missing things. It's just a, um, it's, there will be adverse side effects downstream if we don't correct the deficiencies on a cellular level. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so could you share, I know that you spoke about working with your clients on short-term goals once they have this um, information on where they might need to change or why they getting the motivation for the why. But um, could you share perhaps a way that everyone can set a short-term goal for themselves in prioritizing sleep so it helps them with these bigger aspects of health? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about sleep, sleep specific, we're talking about a bedtime routine, right? So what what is going on in the afternoon hours leading up to bedtime for somebody? And how can we make that a better routine for them? So some people who can't get up early in the morning to say, go exercise before they go to work, and maybe they're exercising around 6 or 7pm. Well, maybe that's not the best idea. And we have to figure out how else can we work it in? Where can we change the routine? Because working out in the evening is going to raise your cortisol level and make it really difficult for you to fall asleep. And, 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 and also it messes up with your food timing. When are you going to eat at 9 p.m. at night? So we know that eating should be stopped about three hours before we go to bed. So we have time for that rest and digest process to happen. So we try to aim for let's say a nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock bedtime where we're in our bed come, you know, just sort of calming and relaxing. So we back up three hours. Well, that puts dinner around six o'clock at night. And so where does exercise work? So we kind of work backwards on the schedule to figure out how can we fit it all in, right? And it has to be something that's manageable for this person. Everybody's schedule is different. And then we look at your room. You know, are you sleeping in a cool environment? You know, 65 degrees Fahrenheit is really the optimal, um, the optimal temperature for sleep. For a lot of women that I work with are going through menopause like myself, and I have them buy a Uller if they can, which is a mattress pad that goes on top of your mattress and water keeps water filters through it and keeps it cool. And you can use an app on your phone to set it at a certain temperature. So if you have a partner, your partner could set their side of the bed 
differently than yours. So I keep mine at 65 degrees. So my room is cool. Maybe I have a window open in the cooler months and then my mattress is cool. So keeping your body temperature cool is optimal for sleep. And then blackout shades, right? So we need it to be dark. So I'm one of those people where if there's an electronic, like a humidifier or a fan in the room and there's a little light, I have to cover that with something. I cover it with black tape. So making sure all light is, is gone. Um, I look at um, possible journaling, right? So before bed, I, I don't have a TV in my room. I try not to get on my computer before I go to bed. I try to get in bed and maybe journaling is something that is of interest to someone, you know, writing down your intentions, writing down your accomplish, accomplishments for the day, just sort of recollecting your thoughts before you go to bed is also very calming. Um, supplements. I think that there are certain supplements that people can take to help them relax and, and get into that sleep zone. Magnesium glycinate is one of the best and almost everybody needs magnesium, right? It helps us um, restore our muscle uh, contractions. So we relax our muscles. Even if, So if you're someone who's very active throughout the day and works out a lot, it, magnesium glycinate is a great supplement for you. And it also helps promote deep sleep. You know, there's things like inositol, glycine, um, there is L-theanine, there's melatonin, possible GABA. So there's a lot of supplementation that you could work with with your functional medicine provider or your health coach if, if they're well-versed in supplements to create sort of a personalized cocktail before bed. I certainly do that for myself. So I do not just finish up my day and go to bed. That does not work for me. Being in menopause, I take progesterone and make sure my hormones are balanced. So I think if you're someone going through, if you're a woman in midlife, always making sure that your hormones are balanced, however it is that you decide to get there. For me, I've decided to take bioidentical hormones because that helps me sleep at night. It helps me achieve my short-term and my long-term goals. So there's a lot of different layers to going to sleep. It is not just washing up your face and jumping into bed. That just doesn't need to work for most people out there. And you did take us through simple aspects and some of the more, uh, yeah. what we call biohacking, but I'd love to mm -hmm. go a little more specifically into some of what you just spoke about. And uh, for example, the um, keeping the mattress cool. And um, have you ever noticed if there have been people who perhaps don't need that lower temperature and um, maybe then they their sleep gets worse if it's too cool? I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of Ayurveda because there's so many subtle aspects of temperature. So have you ever come across somebody who's found that they sleep, they can't sleep when it's too cold? That is a really good point. And for some people, especially if they have poor circulation, their hands and their feet might be really cold. And I would just suggest wearing socks, but keeping your, your core of your body cool at night, there's been a lot of research behind that, that that is definitely the optimal way to help you sleep. Um, I have worked with many women who like, you know, four blankets on top of them and they're fully dressed in sweatpants. And as soon as I get them to try to pivot that into a different direction to stay cool at night, their sleep improves. So I haven't really met anyone where it, for me, my hands and feet do get cold. So I sometimes will wear socks, but other than that, I try to keep cool and I haven't really met anyone that's had an issue with it. 
Let's talk a little bit about magnesium, Jill, because we did a whole episode on magnesium specifically. And um, the you mentioned glycinate, but even in glycinate, there's people who've come across that there's difference in different brands. And sometimes the same glycinate in two brands works differently for them. So is there, uh, what's in your experience, what have you come across in terms of brands versus dosage? Is there something that you've seen as a general pattern or is it very different considering dosage and brand? Yeah, for sure. Dosing is very personalized. Um, I, you know, I, some people need a low dose and that's it. Some people need a high dose. I think it's very personal. In terms of brands, I always suggest more medical grade brands that you would buy from your practitioner. I don't recommend buying them at a place like Walgreens or Costco or um, even on Amazon. Um, and a lot of people try to save money that way. But at the end of the day, it's it's not going to work for you because it's not um, the grade. It's, it's not a medical or pharmaceutical grade product. Uh, so there's a lot of other fillers um, and additives in there that take in. And usually I think what they have found that it, the actual active ingredient is really negligible in some of the products you would buy in, in, mark, in the market like that. Um, but as far as dosing goes, some people do have a problem with magnesium in terms of it creating loose stools. So there's different forms of magnesium. But I do find that some people, even with magnesium glycinate, which is a very bioavailable form of magnesium, still can sometimes get loose stools the next day. So I always say, start small and then work your way up if you need to. So you have to find that threshold. So just if, you're, if your practitioner says, well, it's okay, you can take 400 milligrams. Well, no, I wouldn't start that way because you really don't know what's gonna happen in the morning. And some people like to take magnesium in the morning and I do know some people where that works very well for them, but for the most part, most people should take it one hour before bed um, as well. But I do think people who have higher levels of anxiety and depression can take magnesium in a different form during the day as well, and it, it, it works fine for them. And I think before we wind up the episode, you mentioned journaling. And while it seems like something that is discussed a lot, I don't think it gets enough attention for how powerful a tool it is and something that we have in our hands. And I know that personally, during difficult times, it has been the game changer for me because it just gets out all what's in my mind. So I'd love before you before we conclude the episode to talk about how do we actually build our journaling practice you mentioned in the evening I tend to do it in the morning uh, and I like to be consistent every single day even if there's even if I don't feel that calling to sit down and get something out of my mind so could you share with us how might we build that journaling practice into our life where Rather than being used as an SOS, it is there as part of our life, supporting us as a foundational tool. Yeah, we're talking about things that we should be doing eventually every day. We should have the same routine every day. And I know a lot of people say, no way, I can't do that. I don't have the same routine every day. Well, you know, that's a choice. And journaling is a choice. And I think starting off in the morning journaling is a wonderful 
wonderful way to start your day before your feet hit the ground. Um, I have a lot of clients who would prefer journaling in the morning, but there are some people who just can't wait to get out of bed and get that cup of coffee going and they cannot break it. So in the evening, in, in exchange for getting rid of their TV in their room, we've turned to journaling. And it's not just journaling about your intentions or the accomplishments, but sometimes I like to ask them to write about their character traits, right? What about them? What are some of the traits about them that they see as being their biggest strengths, right? Are they funny? Are they organized? You know, how do they think? And then hopefully learning more about these these strengths within themselves can help them motivate to make further changes down the road. So I really like either journaling in the morning, but some people can do it in the evening successfully as well. So leaving some paper and pen near your bed, right? Don't do it on your phone. I think the act of, we've all gotten so far away from the act of just writing with pen and paper. And it's such a beautiful act as well. So having that journal, buy a special journal, right? Buy something that looks really cool to you, whether it's leather bound or has flowers on it, whatever it is, something really beautiful that you have on your bed, your bed stand with a pen and sit down and have that. It's, it's very meditative as well. A lot of people who can't meditate can journal. Like that's a really good step in the meditation um, direction. So I know meditation has always been really challenging for me to just sit still, but journaling, I can sit down and write. So it's, it's, you know, finding what works for you. Beautiful. And I was just going to ask you, I was going to say that I have this beautiful journal with little drawings. So I can even do some coloring of drawings whenever. And that's also very meditative. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, you mentioned about encouraging your clients to write about their strengths. And I was just smiling because when somebody asked me to do that and uh, a long time ago, and I was stuck. I couldn't think of any of those strengths. And I know that in the beginning, we can be so overwhelmed with our body and our health. And a lot of us are uh, still in the space where we, we don't resonate with that. Do you have any prompts to help us think into what yeah, are our actually, strengths? Yeah, actually, there is an online test you can take. It's called um, the VIA. Uh, so just the letters VIA personality trait test. And you can just Google that and it's for free and it runs you through a series of questions and then it comes out with your, your top strengths. So it's um, we had to do that back in health coaching school. And I, I give it to my clients to do because sometimes they're just like what you're saying. They're, they're sort of stuck. They're like, well, I don't even know what my strengths are. I don't know. I haven't had to think about my strengths in so long. I don't even, I'm out of touch. I'm not connected to what they are. So it's really interesting to see what are those top five strengths and how can you use those strengths as part of your health journey, part of your health equation. Beautiful. Jill, any final words for us today? Final words. Sleep is really important. And I think we have to prioritize sleep. And if nothing else, just make one change. Just one of the things that I, um, one of the several um, ideas and suggestions I brought to this podcast, just pick one out, one at a time, and make that change for one or two weeks, and then layer it on with another change. So maybe the easiest thing is buying blackout shades, or maybe the easiest thing is putting your um, room, setting your temperature control at 
67 degrees and just sort of work your way down and see where you're comfortable. But one change at a time, make it last for a couple weeks and then layer on another change on top of that. Build the foundation. Beautiful, Jill. Where can people find you to learn about your work? I can be found at jillfoosewellness.com. So that's Jill and then Foos is F-O-O-S, wellness.com. And I have a podcast, which I'll have to have you as a guest on my podcast. And that's called the Health Trip Podcast. And that's on um, Apple and all the different uh, podcast platforms, including my website. And so that's how people can get a hold of me. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, all Jill Foos Wellness and YouTube and all that stuff. Thank you, Jill. It was a pleasure having you here today on the show and for all the wisdom that you shared and really bringing our attention back to coming to the foundational aspects, which we have great power over. And it's such a tool of empowerment. So thank you for reminding us of that today. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you and, and, and speak today. This episode was a beautiful balance between simple intervention and cutting-edge scientific tools. This is exactly what I do in my Signature One program where I use cutting-edge science to take a peek and use tools from ancient wisdom to keep things simple. If you would like to know more about my Signature One program and how it can help you reclaim the power of great sleep, visit www.ohahealth.com or write to help at ohahealth.com. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application, adoption of any of the information provided.